DBHDD is reminding Georgians to ask their doctor about alternatives to opioid pain medication. Alternatives such as over-the-counter medications and physical therapy can be used to manage pain. More information at opioidresponse.info. Glad to have all of you with us for today's Political Rewind. Uh, the, the, the main topic of conversation ever since Wednesday morning when Johnny Isaacson unexpectedly announced that he was going to resign his seat in the U.S. Senate at the end of 2019 remains the same today. Uh, the political universe, Jim Galloway here in Georgia, and for that matter across the country, given we now have two U.S. Senate races in 2020, has really gravitated around the Isaacson decision. Two Senate, two two separate Senate races that could be completely different. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to talk about all that. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about Johnny Isaacson's work as a U.S. Senator. I promised the panel um, Johnny Isaacson is still very much with us and will be for a very long time. We all believe uh, so. We, we're not eulogizing him today, but it is an appropriate moment to look at the remarkable career he had over forty-five years in elective office in Georgia. Uh, we're really thrilled to have with us uh, former U.S. Senator Saxby Chambliss, who you were his senior, you were the senior senator when Johnny came in, right? He came in a couple of years after you. Yeah, he replaced Zell, who um, uh, was senior senator until that time, and then I was his senior senator for 10 years. Right. Um, We also are joined by Sam Olins. One of the things, Sam, that's interesting about you and Johnny Isaacson is you are both creatures of Cobb County politics. So you watched each other come up in Cobb County uh, and have known each other ever since then, right? Yeah, I mean, Johnny was my state house, my state senate, my congressman before he was senator. Um, Melita Easters is also here with us. She's the founder and director of the Georgia Win List, um, which uh, works to elect Democratic pro-choice women. Yes. And you followed uh, Johnny Isaacson's career, Isaacson's career for, for as long as you could remember, I imagine. Absolutely. In fact, when I was a producer of The Lawmakers for this network yeah. in the 80s, um, we watched Johnny Isaacson as one of the more eloquent voices of the Republican Party in the state legislature. And across from you, and if you're watching us on Facebook Live, which you can do by going to the GPB news page on Facebook, is Mike, Michael Thurman, the CEO of DeKalb County. Uh, thank you for being here. And, and you, too, Michael, have a long history of working with and knowing Johnny Isaacson. Absolutely. Uh, and, and running against and running him. Against and running him. Against that was going to be my you know, next comment. There's but. no shame in being defeated by a political legend. So that's my <laughs> thing. Uh, we served together in the Georgia House of Representatives yep. and uh, always admired his statesmanship, his integrity. And, of course, I ran against him in 2010. Yeah. Didn't yeah. turn out that well for me. I but. always admired him, but I was hoping to beat him. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping that, that didn't work out. And then we continued to be friends, and uh, he supported me in so many different ways since 2010. Um, we're going to talk. Jim Galloway p- uh, posted a remarkable column on the AJC website today, and uh, you can read it there. It'll also be in the Sunday paper. And we're going to talk about some of the details of that later. But one of the things relating to you, Mike Thurmond, is... You revealed something to us that I'd never known. None of us, many of us at this table had never known uh, about Michael Thurmond and his relationship to a member of the of the state school board. Right, right. Yeah, Johnny. Johnny was uh, the board uh, made chairman of the board of education by by Zell Miller. Uh, one of his conditions was that he wanted his, his board, and he got that. I'll, there's a great quote that I need to I need to kind of read out, but l- later on. But but Zell had one pick, and that pick was a woman named Barbara Archibald. Your sister? Yes, my sister. And she and Johnny became friends and are friends to this day. And I really don't think she voted for me in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, um, Se- Senator Chambliss, I, uh, you you have been very kind to come in. I know you wanted to say some words about uh, Johnny. And, and, of course, you, I know you have to leave before the show is over. So I want to start with you. Just go ahead, reflect for us. You've obviously been thinking a lot about his career since the announcement on Wednesday. Just reflect for us a little bit on your experiences with Johnny Isaacson. 
Well, Johnny, as we all know, is just, number one, such a great guy. And he and I entered the University of Georgia together in the fall of 1962. Gosh, that's a long time ago. (laughs) But we became fast friends early on. We were both in the Greek system. We were different fraternities, but back then it was kind of a small world and everybody knew everybody. Johnny and I became very good friends and remain good friends, obviously, to this day. We married sorority sisters who were good friends. And uh, when Johnny came to the house, it was just a real privilege for me to have a chance to to visit with him on a daily basis about what was happening both in Congress as well as back in our state. And that continued over. I couldn't have been happier when uh, he was elected to the Senate. And um, knowing Johnny's background, knowing that he was one of those individuals just like me that liked to do things, he didn't like a title. He liked to have uh, accomplishments. And Johnny has always worked hard to make sure that happened. I, I can't and, remember. I can't remember. Maybe maybe just a handful of times where you and he voted uh, in different directions. Yeah, it was rare. And that wasn't... Uh, by happenstance or whatever, it was the way that that uh, we just felt politically, you know, or whatever the issue was. I, uh, I, we we would sit down every day uh, when the Senate was in session. It was not unusual for us to get together six or eight times a day and just talk yeah. about stuff. Uh, if there was a particularly a controversial vote coming up, we'd talk about it, and if we had any differences of opinion, we'd kind of go through them, but you're right, Jim, it, it was rare. In fact, I probably count them on one hand over the 10 years we served together that we voted differently. See, you know, Jim, it's interesting uh, when I think about Saxby uh, Shambliss sitting here. Um, both he and Johnny Isaacson had, had reputations for being c- collegial, uh, uh, capable of working across party lines. Now, in Saxby Shambliss left before things got out of control, spiraled completely out of control in terms of bipartisanship. It was there. But Johnny Isaacson is is living with it to this day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, that was one of the reasons you did leave uh, in in 2014 was was just the the partisanship. And 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 the thing that amazed me about Isaacson was that it was if you if you kind of uh, picture a, a a ride through some rapids. I mean, he was the guy who was dodge, who, who's been dodging the rocks for the last two three years and piloting the boat. Let me let me do this. Um, I had a chance. Jim interviewed uh, Johnny Isaacson the other day, and some of what he said was in this morning's jolt at AJC.com. I talked to Johnny for a short time this morning. We will have more of this later, but uh, uh, listen to just what I asked him about in terms of just that issue of whether or not one of the reasons, aside from the health issues he's dealing with, he had just had enough of the rocky partisanship in the U.S. Uh, Congress today, and here's what he said. In the last year, I had a couple of occasions to try and set the president straight on a couple of things. He said one about John McCain and the other about Charlottesville, West Virginia, or Virginia, Virginia. And I did so on the floor of the United States Senate, and I think I turned the discourse on those subjects to a much better light than they would have been otherwise, and I was proud to step out then, and I'll do it in the future whether I'm in the Senate or a past senator. Sam, I wonder if Johnny Isaacson may become an even more outspoken voice in terms of being, what do you want to call it, a conscience of Republican uh, politics uh, with uh, as he resi- retires and moves on? Well, I think we need it. I think both parties need leaders that will do that. I think this constant attack mode uh, disserves our nation. Mike? Oh, absolutely. I agree. And my sister just texted me. She said, well, I'm sorry to tell you I did. But no. (laughs) But no, uh, you have to celebrate political courage, no matter where it might originate or reside. And the fact that uh, Senator Iverson spoke out against uh, the issue and the way it was uh, narrated or articulated as it relates to Charlottesville spoke volumes. There were very few voices uh, who raised concern or even presented an alternative uh, narrative on that side of the aisle. Uh, but he can celebrate his public service to our state and to our nation. Hey, uh, Saxby, let me ask you. Uh, okay, you're, 
20, 50, 100 years from now, people will, will look at your tenure in, in Senate, and they'll probably point to Augusta and the cybersecurity complex there. What would you, what would you identify as, as Isaacson's kind of uh, premier accomplishment? Um, wow. Uh, you know, I think it stretches from um, um, the world of veterans where Johnny has – he is – I mean – by leaps and bounds, progress the healthcare delivery system uh, for our veterans. That was the first thing and I thought about, Saxby, was he came in as chair of the Veterans Affairs Committee at a time when things were a shambles, a and he yeah. has been able to maneuver in a bipartisan way forward. I mean, it's still not fixed. We know that. But it's a lot different than it was when he, before he took over. Yeah, it is. And it's not about bricks and mortars. Right. Uh, it's about... The, uh, the the capability of the physicians that are delivering the health care. It's about the availability uh, of veterans who don't have to stand in line. It's about uh, making sure that you don't have situations like we've had across the veterans' hospitals in various parts of the countries where we have seen not just uh, illnesses rise but deaths of veterans. And Johnny has done a remarkable job of working with folks on both sides of the aisle to craft legislation to dramatically improve that. That's certainly a signature. Uh, in the world of of uh, taxation, Johnny's been a member of the Finance Committee. He has been a stalwart working with uh, Senator Hatch and, and uh, Senator Grassley both to craft tax bills, both pre-Trump uh, administration as well as as the current administrations, I I think there are going to be a number of things, but I I guess if you um, if you went to the to uh, ninety nine members of the Senate other than Johnny and said what's the thing about Johnny Isaacson you like the best or you'll remember the best, they'll say he's uh, the greatest guy in the world. Melita, well, you know I think going off of what you just said, one of the most poignant remembrances I read was from a young female political consultant on the Democratic side, and she said, we may disagree politically, but he'll always be my former Sunday school teacher. <laughs> and I think um, the the decency of Johnny Isaacson is one of the things that, that he's most um, remembered for and will always be remembered for, but I also think he was the cutting-edge face for Republicans when he was in a very tiny minority and Republicans were few and far between in the General Assembly. You could always assign your young interns to interview Johnny, and he would take the time to explain his side of the issues. He would be patient with them. And back in the 80s, I always knew if I sent an interview, an, uh, an intern to interview Johnny, they wouldn't be pitched or propositioned. Yeah, you know, probably. I mean, he was a, just a really decent, wonderful man. And I think the other thing that I would look forward to is when he has the stress and strain of daily grind of being a U.S. senator, how he might speak out on things that he cares about in the future when he can give that full attention instead of the day-to-day -day grind of serving in the Senate. Yeah. Uh, Melita, you bring up something important that I think Mike can Mike, Michael can probably speak to, and that is that is back in the days, in the, in the early 80s, and, and even into the 90s, Republican numbers were in the state capitol were so few yes. that you had to, you, you, you had the situation where, where, where uh, Johnny and Paul Coverdell, at this, uh, who was there at the same time, would kind of take care, uh, take advantage of the, the, the natural fissure in the Democratic Party, which was between rural white legislators and mm. ur urban African Americans. They would be the ones to form the alliance with, with African Americans. And it, it kind of led to a, a the, an interesting situation in that 1990 governor's race that Isaacson, I think, was probably the first first Republican candidate for governor who had true relationships with with uh, African Americans in the Georgia political system. You know, Mike, it, you, and I wanted you to uh, speak to that, but I think I am right that to, to go to Jim's point, I think when Johnny Isaacson went into the 
um, House, there were like 26 Republicans in total in the legislature. It was that few. I believe that number no, you're is close right. to correct, if not actually. It, it was about 26 correct. or 7 Republicans, 28 <laughs> African-American Democrats. Yeah. And I modeled, I became chairman of the Legislative Black Caucus, and I basically modeled my advocacy. And I can still remember he and Tom Murphy matching political wits on the floor of the Georgia House of Representatives. And there's a joke I tell, Johnny. When I came as a freshman, I saw a sign that said, Minority Caucus Meeting, 2 p.m. So I went. <laughs> and I walked in. It was Johnny Eisenhower hosting the Republicans. So, anyway. <laughs> so I said, they, they times have, have I'm sure they asked you to stay. <laughs> <laughs> but times have changed. But uh, but absolutely. And, and, and Jim is right. But he was able to articulate and advocate. We didn't always agree. As a matter of fact, we were on opposite parties. But it was a marvel to watch him and Murphy go at it on yeah. the floor of the yeah, House. Tom Murphy being the, uh, the longtime Democratic Speaker of the Sam, House. Sam, uh, you uh, came up in Cobb County, as, as Johnny Isaacson was. What? What? And, and you, like Johnny Isaacson, were always able to work across partisan lines to try, first as Cobb County chair, to try to... Uh, do what you felt would make the county a better place, um, and then as you move forward in your career. But how how did a Johnny Isaacson? What was what was it about him and Coverdale? How did they build that Republican Party from nothing into a force? His With perso- your help too, of course. No, no, no. His personality. I mean, I remember uh, when he was in the mm-hmm. state senate. So we're talking early nineties. I was at a local gas station. And I was getting active in the community, but, you know, three people knew me, right? You know, yeah, you were in the Homeowners Association right. then. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this gentleman comes walking towards me from his set of pumps to my set of pumps to say, uh, hi. I said, I-, I know who you are, sir. And he said, well, I'm Johnny Isaacs, and I-, I see you in the paper, and I just appreciate what you're trying to do. And, of course, I was... It talks about his humility and the fact that he never changed from state house to state senate to Congress to senator. You know, Saxby's the same way where, you know, they treat you as people. They're not special. And and that's classic Johnny that he he was he's just a really good guy who likes people and likes working with people. Saxby, it wasn't always uh, wine and roses during your day. And you and Johnny both you more than him, of course, but you all tried very hard to make bipart- to work across partisan lines. And the one time it really stung for both of you, but again, more for you, was the effort to pass a bipartisan immigration reform bill back in 2006 or seven. Yeah, it was yeah. 2006. And, was, and, uh, and the first one. And that was, you know, you know what's really interesting about that. When I look at what they're trying to do now, what we were trying to do was so minimal compared to what they're having to do now. But if we had been able to get that across the line, um, uh, Lord knows we wouldn't have the problems that we're having down there now. But that was again classic Johnny. Um, we just happened to both be standing in a group one day when uh, the issue of immigration came up, and he and I looked at each other and said, hey, nobody has a bigger issue because we have as many illegals in Georgia because of the size of the state as anybody in the country. And we said, hey, guys, we're, we raised our hand yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, let me see, in the bargaining, uh, Kennedy was in the bargaining. Uh, I think McCain yeah. was, was, was involved in it, and, and, and President yeah. Bush. Uh, Georgia W. Uh, oh. I, Bill, I tell you, I remember this. Okay, this the the uh, Saxby and, and and Johnny were working the bill. They came to uh, the convention. Was it in Columbus that year? The Gwinnett County. Yeah, oh, Gwinnett yeah. County. It was a bad day. Okay, here's here's for the, him. Here's the difference. Here, okay. Uh, Johnny spoke first. This is the state Republican the state, convention, state by Republican the way, we're talking about. The state convention. It's in June. Uh, Johnny gets up, and he, and he writes, he, he talks about stuff, and he talks about the immigration bill he's wanting, uh, he, he's doing, okay? Saxby is next. He says almost exactly the same thing, <laughs> and it is Saxby that gets booed and not Johnny. 
And it, yeah, I guess that was a little harder in the way I said it. But there again, uh, I mean that's um, that's Johnny being Johnny, Johnny being honest. He he was very forthright in what we were doing, and um, you know he um, uh, he believed in his heart that it was the right thing to do. And when Johnny gets that feeling, boy, you better get out of his way because uh, he's he's coming. And uh, at the end of the day, of course, they they did not agree with Johnny and I on the final border security provisions and the H-2A program that we were working on. So we pulled out of it, but it was not because uh, we knew that it was controversial and it wasn't popular. Johnny never would back off of anything for that reason. You know, it's interesting, uh, Melita. We just heard uh, uh, Johnny say, I'm going to continue when I feel a need to, to speak out about President Trump. Um, Jim, I frankly can't remember which uh, thing Trump had done that people found was outrageous. When Johnny called, uh, called us up, his staff called us and said, Johnny wants to come on political rewind. Oh, this was this was his in March, and he was continuing to go after John McCain. Okay, that's right. It was McCain. But here, Melita, it was such a big deal. I turned on CNN, and they had a story about the fact Johnny Isaacson will be on political rewind on Georgia Public Broadcasting tomorrow, talking about President Trump, criticizing President Trump. Really, kind of a remarkable thing that well, that kind and, of thing happens. And when you have someone so decent as Johnny Isaacson, who does speak out, so respected, then the gravitas that person has makes what they have to say all the more important and compelling. All right. Let's do this. Um, Saxby Chambliss, again, I know you have a, a, a important phone call you've got to get to, and um, I'm so grateful that you would come in and share some. Would you please, can we every now and then have you come back? We'd love to have you join us Absolutely. for the show. Good. Yeah, I'm just right down the street. Yes, you are. That's good news. All right. Thank you for being here. Um, we're going to continue our conversation. We're going to turn to the politics of all this uh, after our break. But again, Saxby Chambliss, thanks for being here. This is Political Rewind. We'll be right back. Join us for GPB's gala event in the Fox Theater's Egyptian Ballroom on Saturday night, September 7th. The evening starts with a meet-and-greet cocktail reception with music legend Brenda Lee, followed by a three-course dinner and dancing with live music. We'll celebrate Brenda Lee's accomplishments in the world of entertainment as she's presented with the first GPB Georgia Legend Award. Go to gpb.org slash Brenda Lee to get your tickets before time runs out. 400 years ago this summer, the first enslaved Africans arrived in what is now the United States. One family in Virginia believes it can trace its ancestors back to the first slave ship. We built America. We built this country. Off the sweat off of free labor. We built the capital. We've invented so many things, so many resources that everybody uses every day. Their story this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Four till seven this afternoon on GPB and gpbnews.org. We're back on Political Rewind. Melita Easters, Sam Olins, Michael Thurman, Jim Galloway joining me today. Uh, we now know we have two U.S. Senate races. We still have uh, uh, Teresa Tomlinson, Ted Terry, and Sarah Amico running. So far are the three candidates for the David Perdue seat. Now we're going to find out, Jim Galloway, which Democrat, which Republicans are going to move towards taking the seat that Johnny will vacate. And why don't we get the big question out of the way first? Michael Thurman is sitting right here. Is he or is he not going to run for that now open seat in the United States Senate? I think Mike, yes. I think yes. He is or he is not. <laughs> <laughs> One or the other. Excellent answer. Excellent answer. <laughs> is that the most we're going to get out of you today? You don't want to make news here today? No, no news today. You know, I love the job that I have. Democrats, though, uh, would do well to stop. This is not about personality or ego. Uh, Hopefully, the Democratic leaders in the state will sit down and think strategically about the opportunity that's presented itself and uh, then make a decision about who would best uh, give us the best opportunity for success. And how likely do you think that is to happen? Well, it hasn't happened since 2000 and. 
two, which is why we've not won since 2002. So if we are serious about being successful, I think it must happen. And people like yourself, Melita, can go a long way to getting people to the table to talk about it, to understand it. That's the Democratic Party that I grew up in. Right. And you remember it. We have to get back to that. It can't be about what I want or any one candidate want, but what's in the best interest of the party and ultimately the people of Georgia. Well, this is the kind of time that that brings the clash of ego and ambition against the greater good and what really service means. And, and um, you know, candidates have to look at whether the people encouraging them to run are the consultants who expect to be paid by them from the campaign contributions they receive. I mean, running for office is a very intoxicating thing for being on the campaign trail. And so people are really going to have to dig deep before they make the decision to jump into a jungle primary because the dynamics of a jungle primary are just so different. Let's make sure that our listeners know what we're talking about. It's actually a general, it's actually a jungle general, general. election, uh, the special and election. statewide. That's, statewide. That's a big difference. So let's, t- let's talk about, let's break down the dynamics, Jim Galloway. We're going to have Republic Governor Kemp will, within the next couple of months, he has some time to make this decision, appoint a temporary uh, re- replacement, but there will be a special election on Election Day, November 3rd, 2020, uh, f- to fill that seat. So it'll take place on the same day we elect a president and all the other constitutional, I mean, all the other offices on the ballot. S- and it will be a jungle general, which means you won't run by party. It'll all be one ballot with all the names. Yeah, I, yeah, I think the, the, the state code says that if you want, you can have a party designation next to your name. Right. But it's not required. So, no primary. Hey, but there, there is no primary. And yeah. That's the important thing. because what you're So what you're going to have, you're going to have a presidential election on top. We know how divisive that, that's going to be. You're going to have a, one U.S. Senate. You have David Perdue defending his, his Senate seat and both going through a primary. So, you know, there There'll be a tendency in each primary to push each candidate right and left, all right? But then you have this 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 special election that without a primary, and so you could have a situation where both where 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 Brian Kemp tries to move toward the middle with his selection, and Democrats, if they're smart, they will move toward the middle mm-hmm. uh, in the in the in that election. So you could have two very very different Senate races Say, at the or, same time. Or you could have the craziness you had in 1972 with 15 people on the ballot. Uh, Sam Owens, what what do you think? What, what is what is Governor Kemp going to be pushed about by different p- factions of the Republican Party in terms of? Because we assume he's going to name someone who he believes should be the next senator uh, in that 2020 election. So, I mean, I certainly don't speak for the governor, and, and the governor can speak for himself. Clearly. Uh, it would certainly be my hope that he would use this opportunity to broaden the base of the party, as he has done with his appointments to date. He's frankly done an outstanding job with uh, numerous appointments. I mean, ju- the judiciary, there was a, a very good article in today's paper, uh, the commissioner of insurance. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, the governor has a real opportunity if he decides to to make a strong case that uh, the Republican Party has a broad tent and uh, and a welcoming opportunity. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got there, there's kind of on on the Republican side there are two dynamics. Number one, you know, he he'll want to he'll want uh, to pick someone who who can help and, and at least not hurt either Purdue or Trump in in the November election, and yet really. The person that he picks, he's hoping will be his kind of running mate in 2022, yes. because that's 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 when that 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 vote comes out. So he, I I agree, I agree with you, Sam. I think he, he he he. There's a good chance that he might pick from North Metro Atlanta. Again, let's make sure we got the moving parts uh, uh, clearly clarified for our listeners. The person who runs for the special open seat in 2020, special election mm-hmm. seat will then be on the ballot again in 2022 as the incumbent as yep. the incumbent mm-hmm. but in other words that Johnny seat isn't really up until 2022 right, just so right. we yes, make yes. that clear right. to our mm-hmm. listeners that's yeah, really yeah. fascinating yeah, the, the election the election next year is to fill out the remainder right. of the term of right. Johnny Isaac and and so whoever appoints will need to be somebody 
who can hit the ground fundraising heavy for the 2020 and then repeat for 2022. Mike, well, as you watch this unfold on the Democratic side, you've already laid out some very general principles for for us that you think the Democrats need to look at. But, you know, I I wondered for a while, David Perdue is going to be a very tough, I've said it over and over on this show, and I think I'm correct, based on polling, but although the AJC hasn't polled for a while, we haven't seen Georgia polling for a while, Purdue's going to be very tough to beat in that election. Um, it, 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 was there any reason why, say, any of those three running uh, already for that seat wouldn't think about whether they'd rather be a part of the open seat? Or can they not do that in part because they've already ratchet- told their donors, you're giving me money because I'm the one who can beat David Purdue? I've not spoken in to any okay. of the candidates. Well, so. What do you speculate about well, something like politics, that? In politics, anything is possible. Right. We've had instances of uh, Roy Barnes, who was running for lieutenant governor, ending up uh, running for governor and being elected governor. Lucy McBath running Lucy for legislature yeah. and yeah. running for Congress. And, and then there's the case of David Gambrell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, that that the, the Melita uh, mentioned. I mean, he was named to replace uh, Richard Russell. Uh, and uh, I can't remember which was that Carl Sanders, I think. And and then Sam Nunn came up and beat him. Sam Nunn came up and beat him in a runoff in a field of 15, which even had included former Governor Vandiver. Sam, do you think it's correct that this two open Senate seats in this particular year, election year 2020, puts Georgia in square in the most important position in the 2020 elections? No, I, I do. But going back to Jim's comment, yeah. um, suburban women are a big factor in 2020. When we're talking about broadening the tent, diversifying the tent, we need to be clear that that includes women. And there are opportunities uh, for the governor to, to pick some really outstanding women as, as well as other individuals. I'm a little state. surprised, and if I were you, Melita, I'd be not only surprised, I'd be a little irritated that when I read who the, the list of people speculated about as people that Governor Kemp might put, they have, a woman has not been mentioned yet. Well, it's no, 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 that's, that's not true. Where is there, a woman There are women. Mentioned? There are women. He's well, of course, you, you have Jen Jones. The no, no, no. People. I'm not saying he may not be thinking of that, but everything I've read is all about the men who he might select. Well, but the thing is, you have on both sides yeah. of the aisle, you have some strong women on the bench who would make either a great appointment to the U.S. Senate or who would make great candidates for the U.S. Senate. And I think it is emblematic of the fact that we now have a legislature with 30.2% women in Georgia that we do finally have a bench so that it's not just one woman's name which comes out, but there are several women's names right. which get I, tossed out. Jim, if some of your colleagues have included women in that list, I apologize. They have. I just, oh, oh, okay, no, 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 then no, I'm no, wrong. On, on the Republican side, you've had uh, the name of Kelly Loeffler yeah. right. come up. You've had Jan Jones. She's the, the Speaker Pro Tem right. uh, from up in North Fulton. And Karen Handel. I, that one I haven't heard. I've seen that. Somewhere. Somebody wrote it. But keep in mind, um, no way to artfully say this, so let's just say it. Some of the names I've seen in the paper mean they've called the journalist to put their name in the list. <laughs> Why? I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Well, that that might you know how it works, Jim, but not everyone listening well, knows how it works. And, and on the Democratic side, you've got Sherry Boston's name being floated. You've got Jen Jordan's name being floated. You've got Lindy Miller's name out there. So there are several wonderful women who are in the wings and giving consideration to weighing whether this might be their time. Mike Thurman, I, certainly there are Democratic women out there who, as Melita says, it sure would be smart in some ways. Republicans, Sam Olin says suburban women are in play for the governor to find uh, a Jan Jones as one example to uh, fill that seat, yeah? Oh, absolutely. So, and I want to concur with the, uh, and to acknowledge the appointments that Governor Kemp has made up until this point uh, to diversify the judiciary and other judicial posts uh, in the legal field. Uh, but what we have to do, and, you know, we this is what we do. Uh, we, we armchair quarterback, but at the end of the day, the voters will decide. And I think 
in such an unstable political environment, none of us can really say for sure how it's going to play out. I'm sitting a, a year, 12 months ago, 16 months ago. None of us really thought that we would have Governor Kemp sitting uh, in the mansion <laughs> uh, up in North Atlanta. So these things tend to play out in the most uh, the unintended consequences of a, quote, jungle primary is almost unprecedented, not totally, but there's very little experience in terms of the Georgia political environment. I think all options are open, and we should consider it that way in terms of women, in terms of who Governor Kemp might appoint, and quite frankly, who might run on either the Republican or Democratic side. Well, and the difference is that in 72, when you last had this jungle jungle election, It was a predominantly Democratic state, and almost all of the 15 candidates were Democrats. And now, when you have only a 55,000 vote margin, which separated the winner of the of the governor's mansion from the top Democrat, the state is far more in play. You have judges who are trying to ensure that the election process will be fair, that all the votes will be counted. And you have a state which is experiencing rapid growth. And so the the, the new voters within that two-year period could go either way. So I think the fact that, that all of these factors play into the situation certainly makes Georgia very much in play. And, and, and I would say, too, it's, it's, it's not just – you shouldn't expect multiple Democratic uh, – just multiple Democratic candidates. You can have m- multiple Republican candidates, yeah. too. If, if, if Brian Kemp goes to, toward the center with his pick, you could have somebody like, say, Burt Jones in the state Senate. Uh, 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 jump into the race. If he goes toward a a, a more conservative ca- candidate, yeah, you could have somebody. You could have somebody from Metro Atlanta uh, jump in. Well, I, I want to go back and say something that, that Jim mentioned, which I think Democrats should not overlook. Governor Kemp's appointment that I celebrate, and his move to the center to try to expand uh, his constituency from going right to the center, not necessarily left. If we abandon the center, I think that increases the probability not only that he's going to be reelected or in or they might elect Wait, uh, two senators. I, I'm a little I'd love to pick up on this. Uh, Jim, I love your scenario that maybe the David Perdue seat is going to be challenged by uh, uh, it's going to be the more conservative uh, seat. Um but I don't understand how, you know, you don't <coughs> run for each seat in a vacuum from the uh, uh, separate from the other one. How do you have a, Repu- a David Perdue being a Trump Republican running and at the same time you've got a Republican candidate in the jungle election because of, because who's more to the center? Aren't they going to come into conflict? Sur- you don't have to survive a primary. And that matters on both the Democratic side and the Republican side. And this is for, we're talking for Isaac, the Isaacsons. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you're not you're not in that primary in, in, in a Republican primary. You are continually pushed to the right. Sam. OK. Go ahead. And, and, and a Democrat, you're, you're, you're continually pushed to the no. left. And I just don't know how you can message a, as a David Perdue Republican. You're going to be out there with the journalists asking these questions. You've got. David Perdue running to the right. You have another. You have a Republican who's the top. T- who's what saying, you, "Well, I don't agree with what no, everything no, David what you, Perdue what you, says." What you're, what you're going to have, and I think this is where Michael is headed. You're going to have a, if 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 they if they play it right, you would have a Democrat saying, "I'm a Johnny Isaacson Democrat." There you go. I yes. got you. I got yeah, you. That's what you really want to do, Sam Olins, um it, you said before it's time, you know, you hope that, that the governor looks to move more toward uh, the middle. Do you, it, No, I didn't say that. I I'm said, sorry. I, I, did I got it wrong? I said broaden the tent. Oh, bro- okay. But isn't that how you broaden the tent? No, not, not I think that those aren't uh, exclusive okay. categories. Okay. Okay. But uh, you, you wait before I've okay. already asked Mike Thurman. You have any appetite for getting back into elective office? I'm perfectly happy where I am. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> One of the things, even in the general last year, what Stacey did so well, she positioned herself as being the heir apparent to the Nathan Deal legacy. I thought it was a brilliant move uh, when she made it, but that was, and at the end of the day, 
is can you get the 50% plus one? Yeah. Okay. And Democrats need a 50% plus one strategy, not a primary strategy, not a win the Democratic nomination strategy, but how do you win a general election in Georgia? Melita, you get the last word before we have to take a break. Well, I think that the, I agree with absolutely everything Michael just said. And I think the other thing that will be interesting is to see what else shifts on the chessboard as a result of the appointment Governor Kemp makes. And depending upon who he appoints, if he appoints the current attorney general, what other kinds of um, moves are made. All right. We got a lot more to talk about. I want to talk for a couple of minutes about this remarkable column you wrote today, taking us back to Johnny Isaacson's climb through the ranks, Jim Galloway, and we'll do that after this break. Hi, I'm Ross Terrell, GPB's reporter here in Atlanta, but I cover more than the state's largest city. I tell stories about the problems farmers in the southern part of Georgia are facing, and I report on transportation issues affecting the 13 metro Atlanta counties. We believe express lanes is our way to manage the amount of traffic or demand to give those users the reliable trip times that they're looking for. Stick with us to hear these stories and more. GPB News, stand with the facts. I'm Ira Plato. This week on Science Friday, a person has died from a mysterious illness linked to vaping. It's hospitalized hundreds of people in dozens of states. What we know and don't know about this illness, plus new science lessons from the great minds of the Science Friday Educator Collaborative. It's all on Science Friday from WNYC Studios. 3 o'clock this afternoon on GPB and gpbnews.org. Uh, Jim Galloway, I, I said already that your column for Sunday is I posted uh, at my at AJC.com. It'll also be in the Sunday newspaper, of course. And it's a wonderful column because you take us back to a Johnny Isaacson who was basically on the ropes. He had lost he was two done. statewide elections for U.S. Senate uh, and for uh, governor. 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 And... So we got to go back to 1990 to really tell right, this yes. story. You have to go to the temple. The, okay. You tell the story, and then I want to add something to okay, it. Okay. All right. Okay. So this is the 1990 uh, race for governor. Zell is the Democratic nominee. Uh, Johnny is the Republican nominee. It's October. Uh, things are getting hard and harsh. And in at the temple, there's a debate. It's not on TV. It's just a one-on-one. And, 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 and I, as I recall, the synagogue was full. It was, it was, it was I can tell you for a fact it was full because I was the sole moderator uh-huh. of that uh-huh. debate. So, uh, so okay, so, so Zell gets up there and he comes after not Johnny, but Johnny's dad, Ed Isaacson, who, was the president, who had been president of Northside Realty in 71 when the federal government hit it for, for uh, racial discrimination. And you know he he, he accuses he, he accuses uh, his his Zell accuses his Republican opponent of hiding behind his father. Yeah, and and it brought Isaacson almost to tears. Well, I think it did bring him to tears. Uh, it, as a matter of fact, I I have a I have a v- more vivid memory of that than many other political moments over the years because of just what you're saying. It stunned Johnny. His eyes did tear up. Were you there that night? No, sir. Okay, I'm just curious. Uh, I was still in high school. <laughs> so, all right, that was a profound moment in many ways. It, it showed us something about Johnny's humanity, you know, because in 1990, politicians weren't supposed to tear up at all. Right. You know, right. It's like, you don't mess with daddy. No, that's right. In the okay. But take it to where okay. this all changes. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, uh, the Olympics are in town. Isaacson has just lost a runoff to Guy Milner, a uh, self-funder. It is a it's just a terrible defeat in the U.S. Senate race. Uh, uh, this is for for Sam Nunn's seat. Uh, and uh, I mean, because this is this is a rejection by voters, uh, Republican voters in a party that Johnny helped create Two statewide election losses. He was I mean, and generally, that's pretty much the end of yeah. it. You, you, it yeah. you can't raise money after that. All right. So come December. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Let's go back. One, one, one point. In the meantime, in '94, so it gets reelected barely, and for the first time, we have a Republican state school superintendent named Linda Schrenko, and the f- two do not get along. 
They 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 they, they fight in private. They fight in public, and things are are in a tailspin. So come 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 December, Johnny is sitting in his Northside Realty office. Gets a call. It's Zell. He wants Johnny's help. He wants him to be. He he had he he, he told uh, Johnny that he had just fired the entire school board, and wanted him to be the new chairman. So, Johnny thinks about it. Zell insists. He's at the governor's mansion. They are they are going they're they're going through. And Johnny, the the, the condition of this for, for Isaacson is that he gets to pick the board. Except for Mike Thurman's except sister. For Mike, and, and he does so except for Michael Thurman's sister. And, and, okay, and, and this, is, this is the stunning, this is the, the, probably the, one of the best quotes that I've, you know, in, in, in my political career. Is it's, it, it was, this is how Isaacson describes the day. He says, it was all my fraternity brothers and friends who supported me against Zell in 1990. And here I had the governor in the governor's mansion on his phone calling my supporters <laughs> to ask them if he could appoint them to the state school board to help me. Wow. <laughs> Sam, it really was a remarkable uh, uh, comeback, a remarkable resurrection. Well, but it's only a comeback and a resurrection due to Johnny. I mean, let's face it. I have never met, and I will make people mad, and I honestly don't care. He's been my mentor. I've never met a public servant um, that meets the quality of Johnny Isaacson. Uh, the, the the individual's integrity, his credibility, his his love of family. You know, there are way too many elected individuals that think they're really hot stuff, and they're not. Johnny's humility <laughs> is really, really special. And I think it's a it, it it signifies the greatness of Johnny as a person that that experience occurred. Mike Thurman, uh, you became uh, you got yourself into the education game when when the DeKalb County School Board was going through a terrible crisis, and you were asked to step in as superintendent to try to turn things around, which most people would say you did. I wonder if you could sort of argue that Isaacson's ability to transform the state school board in some ways uh, gave you a number of years later some advantages because you had a better state school board to deal with. Maybe not. Well, no, I will say this, that I have studied and followed Senator Isaacson's career very carefully. And when the superintendency was offered, it was not outside of my understanding of what had happened with his career. I will say this, I, I, I always uh, gravitate towards the politicians who are able to overcome defeat, uh, who understand the pain of, of public rejection. And as I sit here today, as I think about it, I'm, I'm, I'm just um, feel with the notion and inspired by the fact that uh, you can lose statewide races. You can lose a Senate race <laughs> and still come back. You know what I mean? And don't don't think I hadn't thought about that as I had to rebound uh, from other defeats, including a Senate race, to ultimately, uh, you know, become the CEO of the Cal. Yeah, County. you clearly have rebounded. Yeah, yeah, we need to finish the story, of course. After I'm the, sorry. After the yeah, chairmanship, after the chairmanship, of course, we get we get we get to uh, uh, nine, the 1998 general election. Uh, House Speaker Newt Gingrich, uh, his leadership is put into question because his his uh, he loses seats following the impeachment, which following, he following was the uh, impeachment. A, a major advocate right, of. Right, so he resigns his seat, and suddenly you have yet another jungle primary in <laughs> February, uh, and and uh, and uh, this guy named Johnny Isaacson runs to the center without without any pressure from any primary uh, and wins without a runoff. Yeah. Um, and from there went on to the United States Senate. Right. So. But, let, but let's mention, Bill, um, when Michael agreed to be the superintendent of the, of the DeKalb school system, it was as low as low could get. Yeah. And when, when Michael left that position, he made huge, huge strides. He did a fantastic job leading that school system forward. Yeah. Uh, I, I thank think you. Thank you, Sam. two points here. One, Jim's column shows the great value of experienced journalists who can put the pieces 
into perspective the way this very well-written Sunday column does. But I think Mike also brought up a great point, and, and this applies to both you and Johnny and others. When you, when you have lost an election and you can be humble enough to run again and serve at a level less than the one you recently sought, that's a really admirable thing. Mary Margaret Oliver did that yes, after yes. she ran statewide. There are others who've done Roy that. Roy Barnes. Roy did. Barnes. So it, it really is the, the humility that you've talked about with Johnny Isaacson is another thing that makes other politicians greatly admired because they share that quality with Johnny Isaacson. I think that's a really good point. Uh, Sam, we, well, all of us at this table, I think, know people who have lost elections and have carried a bitterness in their souls and a chip on their shoulder that continued throughout their lives. Certainly as a journalist, I've known some of those people who to this day like to blame the journalists who covered them for their losses and still treat us as if we were the enemy. Um, That's a really important point Melita's making, isn't it, Sam? Absolutely. But, you know, we call it a public servant. They're few in number. When you find one, keep supporting them. Can I make one last acknowledgement to John And You know, we've talked about it historically, but in 2018, my little college, Payne College in Augusta, Georgia, was in financial trouble on the verge of losing accreditation. I had to get someone to rally the business community in Augusta, Georgia, Billy Morris, all the Republicans. Guess who I went to? John Isaacson. Yeah. He pulled them together. Ultimately, we raised tens of thousands of dollars to help get my little college out of hot. So for young politicians, you know, fight as hard as you can. But something Tom Murphy said about serving in the House, he said, Michael, the friendships you make here will last you for a lifetime. It's not personal. Fight for your principle. But to be John Addison, the best thing we can do is recognize that he rose above that and understood the value of relationships and, 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 and respect for one another. That's his legacy. And it's well, something Republicans and Democrats should celebrate. Well, I love the fact that we've had this hour to uh, celebrate what a great career Johnny has had. As I said at the beginning, this is no obituary. We expect to be hearing from Johnny Isaacson for quite some time. And, Jim, we expect to get him back into our oh, yeah. studio. one of these chairs and, here. Yes, yeah, you're absolutely. darn right we do. Uh, real quick, because we're really out of time, but what what should we expect next? When do we? How, how, when do you imagine? We don't know when Kemp is going to make this announcement. No, but. I would. I, 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 I imagine he's going to take his time. I wouldn't expect an announcement uh, much before Thanksgiving. Okay, and again, real quick, if you're thinking about running for that seat, do you wait for Kemp? to choose before you jump in because you're thinking about it strategically? Or do you go now and say, I'm going to... That's, pr- a, that's, a, that's a really difficult question yeah. because uh, because I think who you're running against really shapes what, what candidate will right. be the best one right. to match him. Okay, we are completely... Oh. Or her. Or her. Jim Galloway, Melita Easters, Sam Olins, Michael Thurman, what a pleasure to have you here on an extraordinary week in Georgia politics. That's it for us for today. We're taking Monday off. Everybody's going to take a three-day holiday, so we will see you again for another Political Rewind Tuesday at 2. Have a great Labor Day weekend, everybody. Don't go crazy at Dragon Fest over the weekend. (laughs) Bye-bye. Political Rewind with Bill Nygut is produced by Tom Faust and Robert Jemison. Our engineer is Jesse Nicewanger with help from Alex Word and Deborah Gilbert. Bradley Gaines, Sarah Callis, and myself, Carly Browder, are our interns. If you miss any part of this show or want to listen to previous shows, you can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and always at gpbnews.org. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.